All right, open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to skip around a bunch, and I'm probably not going to stay seated long. They asked me if I wanted a chair. I said, I want this, this kind of vibe, this kind of feel, uh, but I probably won't sit down long because you all know me. Um, so grab your worship guide, track along with me, take some notes. Let's get ready because more than a message today, over the next three weeks, more than a message, this is really, um, this is really a call um, to action. So today we're going to kick off. Uh, three weeks of teaching called Real Life Christians. Everybody say Real Life Christians. Um, you know what I've realized about Real Life Christians is um, there was a view of what I thought Christians were supposed to look like. Um, and then I followed God for you know uh, most of my life and I realized that the portrayal of what Real Life Christians were supposed to look like weren't really what they, they actually look like. Come on somebody, right? Uh, it's a little different. What, what, is it, what does it mean to be a Real Life Christian? Does it mean you go to church every week? Um, does it mean that you drop your 20 in the plate? Does it mean that, 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 that you're a member at such and so church? Does it mean that you you serve in the nursery one Sunday a quarter. What does it mean to be a real life Christian? Are you somebody um, who people come to to pray for or to pray with? Are you somebody who knows the Bible front to back? What, what does it mean um, to be a real life Christian? The, the thing about it is in churches is we've made being a real life Christian about a lot of things. But, but really it boils down to, to what Jesus says to be a real life Christian. That, that's, that's really what I care about. And, and so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about um, w- w- what it looks like to be a real life Christian. Christian. The next three weeks are going to look a little different than your typical Sunday. I figured we'd stop here in the summer. Um, I really felt like the Lord was like, man, you need to get prepared for the fall. Um, because how many of y'all know the fall? Um, man, it's back to school time. A lot of people coming back to church and we'll grow all summer, which we already have. And it's been awesome. But I want us to be ready. I want us to be strong. I want us to be stable going into the fall. Because how many of y'all know um, God's not done writing the story that he started here in September? Come on, somebody. And so... Um, and so I, I, I was thinking, you know, it's going to be a little different, but may we never, listen to me, may we never get comfortable, so comfortable with our walk with God, with attending church, that it becomes routine. That it becomes like, it's what I do on Sunday. And it, it, listen, I'm saying that to me just as much as I'm saying it to you guys, because I have to be here every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to, I got, we got to have a message. And so, man, if I'm not careful... That can become routine, just doing church, greeting at the door, singing on the worship team, serving inside of kids. That can become routine if we're not careful. May we never allow each other to become comfortable with just doing this church thing, with becoming a Christian. Come on, somebody. We're going to be stretched in the next three weeks. We're going to be challenged, encouraged to live the life. Here's what I want. I want you to be encouraged to live the life that God has called you to live. My goal as your pastor... I have a goal. Did y'all know I have a secret agenda? Um, my goal as your pastor is not to turn you into a church person who knows how to operate inside of the parameters of this church. Right? It's, well, it's what we do here. It's how we do it here. Yes, we have culture. Yes, we fight for it. But my goal as your pastor is to set you free into the calling and the gifting that God has placed on your life individually. Every single person in this room has a purpose. Every single person in this room has a reason that today, uh, on Sunday, the first Sunday in June of 2022, that you're alive, that, that you're here, that you're moving. God's got a purpose for your life. Uh, my, my goal is never to turn you into a church person, but to set you free into the calling that God has for you and to set your heart on fire for the lost. That's, that, that's my goal. 
to, to give you an awareness. That's what we're going to do over the next three weeks. I, I want to give you an awareness that there are people in your life there are people at your job. There are people that work for you. There are people that work with you that will die and go to hell if we don't carry the message of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Like we can make about a lot of things. You can come and hear a great message, and that's great because the messages are usually pretty decent, and the worship is good, and we've got a kids' ministry, we've got coffee. All of that is great. But if I don't give you an awareness that there are people around you in your everyday life that are going to die and go to hell, if you don't say something to them, I feel like I'm, I'm missing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's why we exist, isn't it? Like You, you can make it about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, we exist to win the lost. That's why we're here. That's why I showed up this morning. Because there's going to be lost people that walk into this building because there is every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. Right? That, that's why we exist. To win the lost. To, to populate heaven and to plunder hell. That's why we're here. That, that, that's why God sent Jesus to reconcile us back to Him. To save us. I, I don't know about y'all, but I needed to be saved. Did y'all need to be saved? Like, I needed to be saved. That's why, Je that's why we exist. That's exactly what Jesus did. But it's also Jesus was on the earth to, to win the loss, to save the loss, right? Do you guys remember the whole cross thing where He died on the cross for you? His blood was shed to wash you clean and to make you new. This is the message of the Gospel. And on the third day, the, the stone was rolled away and He rose again and He's alive today sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Did y'all know that? It's not only what Jesus did, but it's also what Jesus commissioned us to do. It's called the Great Commission. Y'all ever heard of the Great Commission? It's called the Great Commission. In order to be in a commission with Jesus, you have to be in submission to Him. And submission to Him is uncomfortable because it causes you to go out into your life and share the good news with people. Come on, somebody. I know that hurt a little. So it's interesting. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Turn there first. We'll have the words on the screen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. What's interesting about... A life is, is, have you ever been with somebody who was actively dying, um, who, or who was about to leave your life? Um, what's interesting about that is you always pay special attention to what they say. You, you can remember the words uh, of your dying grandma. You can remember the words. So in this moment in Matthew chapter 28, um, verse 16, Jesus has died. He's rose from the grave and now He's sitting with His uh, 11 disciples, you know, because Judas killed himself because he gave up early on the plan. Come on, somebody. That's another message for another day. But He's telling them something that's so significant and so important because He's about to leave them forever. So let's lean in with a little different view this morning. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain in which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But here's the cool part about this. The next line it says, But some, say it with me, doubted. I love that He continued to give them the Great Commission even though some of them doubted. Come on, somebody. Or Matthew is listing that there are people in the 11 that are still not sure Jesus is who Jesus says He is. How many of y'all in this room today could doubt Jesus a little bit? Got some questions for Him when I get there. I'm going to try to figure out. Listen, the good news is, 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 is if you've got lots of questions and you're here this morning, that must mean that you have a lot of faith. So Jesus says um, to, 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 to those that have doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, this is interesting, He says, all authority... Um, all authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. So what is he doing? He's imparting, he's transferring the authority that God has given him to the disciples. Did y'all know that you can do the same things that Jesus did inside of the New Testament? Come on, somebody. He says, go. Everybody say go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. Before this moment, the, the, the mission of the gospel was only to the Jewish people. And so now he's saying, I want you to go into all the world, all the people, no matter what they look like, no matter where they've been, no matter what they got going on in their life. I want to stress to you that it's all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I love how he ends with this, you'll only be able to do it because I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, that's why we exist. To live out the Great Commission. You ever wonder, you're like, well, what's my purpose? Anybody ever wondered that? What's your purpose? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Good news. I got it for you today. You don't even have to search anymore. Your purpose is to live out the Great Commission. That's what it is. I mean, yes, there are different facets. I'm a preacher, and Shane's a worship leader, and Danny's an administrative person who's just insane with administrative things that make my head hurt to even think about, right? Like, like... You, you all have a unique gifting and a facet inside of that, but every single one of us, your purpose is to live out the Great Commission, to go into your life, to your job, to your family, and preach the gospel to the lost and bring hope to them. That's why you exist. Do you want to know why God put you at that job? So you can preach the gospel. Do you want to know why God put you in that crazy jacked up family? So you can preach the gospel to them and lead them to Jesus. Do you want to know why God put you in that situation? you know why God had you run out of gas right there? you know why God had you stop and get gas right there at that time? To preach the gospel. That's why you exist. So many Christians wander around church going, what's my purpose? Your purpose is to live out the Great Commission. I mean, if we're not doing that, what are we doing? And I understand this is relatively new because most of us are just used to going to church, right? But like, what, if we're not winning people to Jesus, what are, what are you doing? What, what, like, what are you doing? Like this was something that God asked me as we start a new life. It's, it, my, my role isn't just to give you a great message every week. That's not my role. And I'm not even interested in that. Ephesians 4.11, it says that God gave prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, shepherds, pastors, teachers, to what? To do the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Jesus Christ. You... you, you let me just stop right here and say that you guys have done an incredible job. 36 people have received salvation in this building since August 29th of 2021. Come on, somebody. Like, well, we're doing it, but, but we've got to do it uh, more intentionally. We've got to, God has given us a grace just as a church to reach the lost every week. The, the math works out to every Sunday somebody's going to walk in this door and give their life to Christ. So that's the math. Well, well, that tells me that every single Sunday is important and that God has given our church, us, New Life Church right here in Hydro's little bitty old church that started with, you know, nobody. And, and over the last nine months, it's really grown. It's pretty awesome. But God's given us a special grace to reach the lost inside of our lives. Did you know that being by being connected to New Life Church and the grace that's on this church, God gives you a special grace in your life to reach the lost if that's what we're doing up in here? We can make church about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, the only number that matters to me is the 36 people that cross from death to life. Like, it's great. I'm excited there was 150 people on Memorial Day. Because I've got two friends and I can call them and brag a little because they had low Sundays. 
But, but, but I'm telling you, I don't care about, I don't, I don't care about no other number other than the 36. I, I won't stop. We won't stop until all of Western Oklahoma is saved. That, that's how passionate I am about this. So that being said, let's go. Over the next three weeks, let's get back to the life that Jesus intended for us to live. Let's answer the question, how do we live like real life Christians? Y'all want to be a real life Christian? We do that by living out the Great Commission individually, but also as a church. You can't do that without this. You cannot do this without the foundation of our faith. Without the fundamental, you cannot be a real life Christian without the fundamental thing that God gave us. That's why this is week one. We're going to tee it up over the next three weeks. We're going to build on this. You cannot do this without the fundamental thing that God has given us, which is love. Everybody say love. That's where we're going to start today. Because that's where we've got to start in all actuality. That's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you because He he loved you. This is the foundation of everything that we do as Christians is that we love people. And so let's start with that today. Um, Let's start with love. In order to be a real life Christian, you've got to learn how to love people right where they're at. I'm going to teach you next week about why the lost matter and where they're at. I'm going to give you some statistics and all the numbers. And then the third week, I'm going to give you some practicality, just some acronyms on how you can start a conversation with somebody in your life, how you can actually lead somebody to Jesus. Are you all ready? But today, I can't can't get you there unless I start with the foundational element of why God sent Jesus to die for you, which is love. In order to be a real life Christian, in order to be a real life Christian, in order to be a real life Christian, the foundation and the basis of your everyday life, the foundation and the basis of you, of the way you live out the Great Commission is it has to be founded and rooted and grounded in, say it with me, love. It has to be. You will not see people the way that God has intended you to see people if you do not love people. You will not see your, your husband, your wife, your, your kids, your coworker the way that you're supposed to see them, which is in a great commission way. If you don't understand that God loves you so much, but He also calls you to love people. That, that's the biggest element missing in the church today is just love. We're so caught up in this is the way the seats are supposed to be. This is the way we're supposed to have a screen. This is why I sit here. It's supposed to be three songs, then an offering, then a message. That's supposed to have kids ministry. Now everybody's supposed to have coffee. Now everybody's supposed to have a live stream. Well, you can make it about a lot of things, but, but when you boil it down, man, that's what we're here to do. We're here to love people. We're here to love people right where they're at. In order to love other people, though, how many of y'all want to love other people? You, you want to. Come on. You want to love them. But you can't. Because they're stupid. No, really, I, I think you can't love other people because you haven't discovered how much God loves you. Love is so important to God. And you've got to see this this morning. Love is mentioned 551 times in the 66 books of the Bible. Come on, somebody. Love is a big deal to God. Love is, the the Bible, cover to cover, is a story about a father who's in love with his children and willing to do whatever it takes to reconcile them back to to himself. You can't love other people until you understand how how much God loves you. 
You've got to see God this way. You've got to see Him this way. Because how many of you would be honest and say that when you think about the way God thinks about you or you think about the way that God sees you, love isn't probably the first thing that would come to your mind. Anybody else ever lived more than five minutes? Love isn't, you got to get this, love isn't what God does. Love is who God is. And y'all are all nodding, and I know you all think that's great, but when you mess up, that's not what you think. When you make a mistake, that's not what you think. When you miss the mark, that's not what you think. But when, when you do something, you, 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 you don't think. But, but love isn't what God does. Love is, is who God is. First John 4, 8, it says, Who, Whoever does not love, this is for us. Go ahead and say, you. well, I know God. I know all the King James Version Scriptures you can want. I know that I've read the Bible every... Do you do the one-year Bible? I do the one-year Bible. I pray 18 hours a day and I give more than 10%. I think I'm at 13% on my tithes. And, and you know, I'm at church every Sunday. Man, we ain't missed a Sunday in two years. Um, that's great. But if you don't love people, you don't know God. That, that's great and all. Like, I appreciate you. But, but, but if you're not out there in your everyday life loving people, you, the, the Bible clearly says, because God is love. Y'all awake? This is how God showed His love among us, that He sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we have loved, but that God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for us. We did nothing, yet we earned everything. Dear friends, since God so loved us, well, we, we delete this scripture when it comes to Christianity, right? Because you, you got to look this way and you can't do this and don't do that. And, and whoa, 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 we got all these rules. And, and whoa, 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 hang on. He, he says, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. Well, that's easy if the one another is the other you like. If they're your color. If they're your 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 kind of people, it's easy to love them then. But 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 what if what if your life what if the 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 well done my good and faithful servant you've served me well was hinged on how well you loved people that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't sound like you, that aren't interested in the same things you're interested in? Can I get an amen, somebody? We ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. I love this. No one has ever seen God. But if we love, if we love one another, then God lives in us and is made complete in us. I don't know how literal we can get back to the Greek, but this Bible right here says, if you don't love people, God don't live in you. That's what I love about the Bible because it makes me feel very inept and uncomfortable. Love is the foundation of why God has done everything for you that He's done inside of your life. Think about it. It's the basis of why He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. Think about it. You can't love people if you can't understand how much God loves you. That's the reason God sent Jesus for you. Right? John 6, 3.16, the most famous Scripture in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. 
But whosoever believes in him will not perish and have everlasting life. No matter what, God sent Jesus because he loves you. It could have said because he needed to make this happen. Because you could never do it on your own. It could have said a lot of things. But the Bible said he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Love, love, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Love, love. Just say love. Love, love is a choice that God makes about you. Because love is a choice. Anybody been married for more than five minutes? Love, God, act. Th think about this. You, you won't find this out when your life's going great. I'll just tell you that. But love is a choice that God makes about you. And He continues to choose to love you no matter what you will do inside of your life. Think about that because you can't love other people uh, until you've experienced God. Love. No matter what you do, no matter what you walk through, no matter what your life has looked like in different seasons, God choose, chose to love you and continues to choose to love you no matter what your life looks like ever. God doesn't love us by default. Listen to me. God doesn't love us by default. This is not some sort of arbitrary feeling that he has to have about you. He chooses to love you. God's love is different than any love we've ever experienced in a relational context on this earth. I know though that's not what religion teaches you. Is this fun? Are you guys enjoying this? Okay. Y'all are looking at me like a cow at a new gate, but maybe you've never, maybe you've never actually realized how much God loves you. And I know it's difficult to wrap your mind around that no matter what you do, God loves you. No matter what you do, God loves you. Uh, in order to love others no matter what, you've got to understand that God loves you no matter what. If you're ever going to lead somebody to Jesus, you've got to love them. Because if you don't love them, you won't lead them to Jesus. And in order for you to love them, you've got to understand that in order to love them no matter what, you've got to understand that God loves you no matter what. But when you're able to see that God loves you for 10 years as a pastor and never led someone to Jesus off of a stage. Why? Because I never had a full revelation of that God loves me unconditionally until He loved me through an unconditionally bad part of my life. And then I was able to start sharing that love because I realized now that God loves me unconditionally so I can love other people unconditionally. Are y'all, is this making sense? Yes. If you don't get this, you'll miss it all. If you don't get this, you'll just take up space in a pew somewhere. You'll attend church when it's convenient. You'll walk past people every day that God is destined to be in your life so that you can share the good news of the gospel with them. Most of us have been conditioned through religion and through other relational experiences on earth that God's love for us is derived on our ability to do right. Well, if I attend church enough, if I give enough, if I don't cuss enough, can I tell you this? Your good life ain't going to get you to heaven. You're good. You're, 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 you're good. I'm a good person. I don't care how good a person you are. You are not going to heaven apart from the love, receiving the love that God has for you that He poured out on the cross at Calvary. Come on, somebody. 
You, you won't ever lead someone to Jesus if you don't understand how much God loves you. In my own life, I've discovered more facets of God's love for me in the valley than I ever have at a mountaintop. His own word proves this to us, right? Romans 5.8. This is the Apostle Paul. Read that, Shane. What's it say? Right, it's on the screen. You don't even have to look it up. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners... Stop. Read that again. But God shows His love for us in that while we were sinners... While we were still sinners... Selah. God sent... Think about this. God sent Jesus to die for you at your worst. At your deepest, darkest. I know y'all are good church people, so y'all ain't ever y'all ain't never done nothing bad. At your deepest, think about it right now. I want you to picture it. At your deepest, darkest moment you've ever had in your entire life, the Creator of the universe stooped down from eternity and said, "That one is mine." You'll never lead someone to Jesus until you understand that God loves you unconditionally. That one right there in the middle of that addiction. That one right there in the middle of that mess. That one right there in the middle of that depression. That one right there in the middle of that mistake. That one, devil. That one. That one is mine. Now, while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. But here's the good news is that God doesn't stop at salvation. Listen to me. I'm really about to, to, to mess up your religion and I say this a lot because I want this to, to, to be at the forefront of our mind because God forbid we ever fall into the religious trappings that every other church has in the history of the world is that, 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 God, says the, that God says that the free gift of salvation comes with the continual outpouring of love, grace, and mercy in our life. Religion says that the free gift of salvation is coupled with the burden of perfectionism. Yeah. You're saved? Well, good. You should be perfect now. Yeah. Anybody else ever felt like that's the expectation? Yeah. You're like, I'm saved. I went to the encounter. Why isn't everything different? There's a lot of things different, but our inner self grows about at the same pace as our outer self does you don't go to the gym yesterday start lifting weights and be like walk out and wonder why you don't have 28 inch biceps <laughs> that would be stupid religion is stupid because it tells you that if you're saved you should be perfect which is the which is religion says that the free gift of salvation is burdened with the it is coupled with the burden of perfectionism you, you've got to get this because if you don't you'll be tied to a yoke of shame and guilt throughout your entire life listen this is pivotal for the way that you love others you cannot love others when you live in a perpetual cycle of shame and guilt you can't You just can't. If you can't ever measure up, then the good news is, is you're never going to minister or share the gospel. You're never going to invite somebody to come on the 26th. You're never going to stop and pray with somebody. Because you, you, if you can't make it, you're for sure they can't make it either. Does this make sense? This is why you have to get over this. The, the, God says, hey, I'll save you. 
for eternity, but also give you grace and mercy and everything you need because I know you are a mess. Like he knew what he was getting into when he bought us. This is why, if you don't get this, you'll live in a perpetual um, cycle of shame and guilt your entire life. This is why religious people are so mean. Because they're living in a constant cycle of shame and guilt. Because they can't measure up and they know they can't. So they just assume you can't either. So then they're mean and rude and hateful to you. They're mean and rude and hateful to people at the, 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 the restaurant, at the, at the checkout line, and in Walmart, which is, will definitely test your Christianity. Amen. Right? If you don't understand the foundational truth that you'll be tied to an unachievable goal that religion sets in front of you. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's a free gift, everybody. Lamentations 3.22. We gotta hurry. The steadfast love of the Lord. Say it with me. Oh, I love that word, never. Never. His mercies, I love this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, because you know I'm not faithful, but He is. Because I'm, I'm weak. I'm a human. Right? Listen, the same grace that saves you through faith is the same grace that's waiting for you each time you stumble in your walk with God. That same, that same saving grace is there not only to seal you into eternity, but also just to save you every time that you stumble. God's, God loved you. This is, so, this is challenging, and this was even challenging for me to write, and i got three little points, and we'll get out of here. God loved you while you were a sinner, knowing that you'd always be one, <laughs> and He chooses to continually love you no matter what. Come on, that's good news, everybody. Oh, Mark, you can't preach that. People will just be living however they want to live. No, I believe that, that love covers a multitude of sin. I, love, I, I believe that, that when I realize how much God actually loves me, that I want to live for Him more, and I want to cut away things in my life, not to earn His love because I already got it, because it's in Him that I am set free to do what He... Are you all with me this morning? Isaiah 54, 4. I love this scripture. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Hey, do not be afraid. There is no more shame for you. God loved us before we received salvation and He continues to love us now unconditionally. Why? Why? Why does He continue to love us unconditionally? Do you know why? I'll tell you. Because... He wants us to love other people. Because He wants us to love others. That's why He loves us unconditionally. It's to love others. You cannot give away anything you possess. You cannot, you, you cannot love others unconditionally if you haven't experienced God's unconditional love for yourself. When we choose, when we choose, when we choose, when we choose, when we choose to love others, we are showing them a tangible expression of God's love for them. 
We're, we're showing them that, that God is real and that God loves them and He's there for them. Let me ask you this question this morning. Write this down. What links are you willing to go to to show people that God loves them? Are you willing to like have a conversation with them? Are you willing to like give them some money and bless them? Are you willing to like call them and say, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? Are you willing to, to, to watch their four kids because they moved and they're tired? And Anybody? Any takers? Any takers? I'm just kidding. We are Christians. We are representatives of Christ. And Christ loved people. Amen, everybody? What links are you willing to go to to show people? John 13 gives this new commandment to his disciples. Jesus says this, and this is what I love because this is where the church has gotten it wrong and I've gotten it wrong in my life so many times. He says, a new command I give you that you say it with me, love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another by this, by this, by this, by this, all people, by this, the way you love other people, all people, will know that you are one of mine. I don't care how many Bible verses you want to share on social media. I don't care. I don't care how much you want to give, how many times you attend church, how many times you want to sing, um, there's another in the fire. If you don't love people, you're, you, you, are, you, you are not going to be recognized as a Christian, especially in this club here. Can I get an amen from everybody? God loves you so much. And if you realized it, you'd live different. And listen, I can't explain it because I've had some things happen where I really thought he should have done something different. I had some things happen where I really knew because I know he has the power to do things, right? Um, the other day we were moving and I had, and you know, moving is so fun. And I did stay saved through the whole thing. And I'm really happy, my guys in my small group, they'll be happy because I did not lose my temper in the move at all one time. And so we've been going through it. We've been working on our anger. Come on, can I get it? Come on. And so all our guys in our small group, that's what we're all, we all have young kids and we're all working on anger. Imagine that. And, uh, and I'm pulling into Hydro and I have all these cardboard boxes on my trailer and it's starting to rain. And I'm like, Lord, move that storm just a mile. Move it a mile. I know you can do it. And I'm praying, you know, I know you can do it, Lord. I know you hear me, Lord. Oh, yeah. And the storm didn't move. And I had to sit under the car wash for an hour. And you know what I did? I got to sit under the car wash and read my Bible plan. And I got to sit under the car wash and listen to some worship music. And I got to sit under the car wash. It's almost like there is a God. But, but I've got questions. I've got things that, 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 that show that, that are like, man, well, did you, if you loved me, well, why, why wouldn't you make this happen inside of my life? But I will tell you this, that God loves you unconditionally. And once you receive that, you're able to love other people inside of your life. God loves us so that we can, we can love others. It's not your church attendance. It's not your giving. It's not your singing on Sunday. You're posting a scripture. People will know you're a Christian by the way that you love Others, listen, how are they going to know if you don't show them? How are they going to know that God loves them if you don't show them? Okay, three things really quick and then we'll get out of here. Number one, how do we love other people? This is good. You should write this down. If you're not writing this down, you're getting an F. You mean, did, did y'all ever go to school 
Did y'all ever go to school where they, uh, where they graded you on your notes? Have you ever seen that? That's happened before. Me and, this, me and this brother right here were like, yes, that's happened to me before. I got it right here. No, you don't, because you're going to walk out of here and go into kid mode, dad mode, food mode. I got to go to practice, softball practice. I mean, I'm going to forget this if I don't have it wrote down, so write these down. Number one, how do we love other people? Say this with me. Say, God loves me, God loves me. No, matter what. no matter what. And because of that, I can love others. Okay, we settled that? Okay, so here's how you love other people. Number one, you love them, you love them laterally. Laterally. Our ability to love others, because it's going to build next week. We're going to talk about the lost and why the lost exists and all that. And the third week, I'm going to give you some tools on actually how to start a conversation with somebody, how to lead them to Jesus. You guys, you got, I've got some cool stories I'll tell you about some people I've led to Jesus in the last few months. It's going to be awesome. But you, you have to love them laterally. This is important. Our ability to love others is derived from the ability to see ourselves in the proper context. Thank you, Shane. Most of the time, as Christians, we, 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 we are trying to tell people about Jesus like they're stupid, and I'm trying to educate you. This is how we talk down to them. Oh, you don't know? This makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you don't know? You don't know? You don't know about Jesus? Well, let me just inform you about Jesus. I can't believe you don't know. But let me tell you something. I go to church over here at the World Baptist Intervention Community College Church over here. And you know what? You can come and you can, you can, you can get your life right because it dang sure don't look right right now. Well, I, I can see the shape you're in. No wonder the shape you're in. All the decisions you've been making. But I'll tell you what, where you can get it. You can get it right over here at the World College Baptist Harvest Ministries Alliance of America. Incorporated. This is how Christians talk to people. You ever do this? You ever see people do this? Mama, we were at a hotel in Oklahoma City in Tulsa. And these ladies, they had these vests on. These old ladies. And on their vest it said, how can I pray for you? And this lady had the most sour look on her face. Like she was mean. Mean looking. Like one of them ladies, you know, in Sunday school, you know, that would have just whooped you. Yeah. And not tell your parents. And tell you, if you tell your parents, you know, you, y'all never had that happen. <laughs> y'all must have not been a kid like I was a kid. Hey. <laughs> and I wanted to walk over to her and say, hey, you're not doing God any favors. Could you smile? Yes. Could you be inviting? Yes. Why? Because we've got to learn to love people laterally. I'm just a beggar trying to tell other beggars where to get some bread. That's all I am. I was talking to some pastors last night having dinner with them and, and encouraging them because they're in a tough spot inside of their ministry and they're going to build a building and I know what that feels like and they're just getting healthy. The, the, the devil's attacking their health and, and just working with them and, and walking with them and, and talking with them and I forgot what I was going to say. What was I saying? I'm going to love them laterally. You gotta be approachable. A sour lady. I don't remember. Yeah, I was. We got we've we've got we've got to act like 
we're a beggar trying, like, oh, I, here, I got it, ADHD, man, it swung back around, and um, I'm, it's a terminal case. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I could go at any minute. Yeah, come on. Um, and, um, and I say, yeah, no one at our church calls me pastor. He was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I said, I looked at him and I said, no, I love it. And he goes, why? I said, because I'm so glad they've stopped putting me on a pedestal. Come on. Because I'm, I'm just normal like you. I moved this week and about killed my kids. Come on. But I did good. I didn't lose my temper. You can ask my wife. I, I kind of like threw it at her, threw it in her face last night in an argument, you know? I was like, oh, I haven't lost my temper one time since we've moved. What are you going to do with your life, you know? This is how we have to love people laterally. This, that's what this is out here. I'm no more important than Shane. I'm no more important than, than Dino at the door. I'm no more important than Danny who, who does the finances. I'm no more important than y'all. Uh, l- listen, in order to love people, in order to love people, we've got to love them laterally. Everybody say laterally. laterally. It's impossible for you to love others the way that Jesus did if we're constantly measuring ourselves, measuring others by the same standards we hold ourselves to. We measure others by the desired qualities we wish we had, not by what we're actually living. Romans 3, 23 says, for, say it with me, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are justified by His grace gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ. The word, that word means all. All. Every one of us have all missed the mark. We've all messed up. We're all a work in progress. Oh, how easily through the trappings of religion do we forget how much we need the gospel in our everyday life. When you come face to face, when is the last time you come face to face with where you were when God found you? When he reached down, like the Bible says, in, or maybe it's a song, I don't even know if it's Scripture, and picked you up out of the miry clay. When he stooped low out of heaven and picked you up, plucked you up from wherever pit you'd found yourself in. Come on, somebody. May it all be that fresh and real to us. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never, ever, ever reach anybody and live out the Great Commission because that's what God's designed you to do if you don't learn that you ain't no better than nobody else. Number two, you got to love them unconditionally. You got to love them unconditionally. And this is the hard part. Jesus led this way for us in the time of walking with his disciples. He loved them unconditionally. He gave Judas a kiss. And Judas sold him up the river for 30 pieces of silver and was stealing from him the entire time. Did you know that? Stealing from Jesus. Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. Yet, at the tomb, he told Mary Magdalene and the other lady, I can't remember her name, he said, I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter. That's how he loved people. He loved them unconditionally. He loved them unconditionally. Jesus shows us that people are worth loving unconditionally. As Christians, we cannot... Walk away from people who need us most. 
They are one encounter away from everything changing in their life. Religion is always about the separation of people by the way they look, the way they act, their educational background, where they came from in their sin, the way they speak. And Jesus came to this earth to unite us all under His love, His purpose, which is the Great Commission. Everybody okay? Okay. It starts with doing what Jesus did, loving people right where they're at. Knowing that God loves them enough to keep them there. But He loves them enough not to keep them there. And so do we. Instead of moving away from someone when their life gets messy, because we love to do that because we got enough drama on our own, why don't you just move into them and start praying with them and walking with them? And do this. Don't give them any advice. Just give them some love. Some unconditional love. Just treat them like you'd want to be treated if you were in a bad way. Remember, it's just a season for them. And if you choose, listen to me, this is, I say this so much, if you choose to walk with them through their messy season in life, then you get to celebrate when they make it out. Because remember, it's just a season. Ain't that cool? Alright, last thing. So we have to love them laterally. I'm not, they're not stupid and I'm trying to educate them so they don't go to hell. Because that never did anything for anyone. You've got to love them laterally. I'm just, as, I'm just as bad as they are. I was once just as bad off as they were. Or are. The last one is we've got to love them sacrificially. We've got to love them sacrificially. It's a sacrifice to love people. Isn't it? Come on, those of y'all been married for more than five minutes, carry it. It's a sacrifice to love Dino, ain't it? I know over here, I won't even move over here, but <laughs> it sure is. Hey, Ronnie, we can see you. The Lord sees you. Sacrifice to love him. My wife's the same way. She's lucky. We, we've got to love him sacrificially. This is the big problem with Christians. Is we're so concerned with consumed. This is humanity. We're so consumed with ourselves. We, we we would never ever think about sacrificing our time, our talent, our money, our our things to to, to love someone else. We wouldn't because we're too busy. We're too important. We got too many things going on. Well, I'm gonna tell you this: if you're too important and too busy, and you got too many things going on, you're living wrong. If you're so busy that you can't see the people in your life, you're too busy. I have this unique perspective because I've done a lot of funerals. I've done funerals for 30-day-old babies. I've done funerals for old people. I've done funerals for saved people. I've done funerals for lost people. I've done funerals for rich people. I've done funerals for poor people. You want to know how it all ends? It all ends with them in a box. And guess what their, their pockets are? They're empty. Guess what every achievement they've ever done? Nothing. Don't mean, don't mean nothing. Now, if they got a lot of money, that means their families are just fixing to start fighting over all of it. Yeah. Come, on. Come on, why are we living? Are we living to, to love people laterally? To love people unconditionally? To love them sacrificially? Is that what, I, that's what, I don't know what I can leave my kids financially. I'm going to work on it. But, but you know what I can leave them? I, I can leave them a legacy of loving people unconditionally. 
I can leave them the example of loving people sacrificially. Loving people the way that Jesus loved them. And can I tell you that loving people the way that Jesus loves them will be a sacrifice for you? But Jesus is not unaccustomed to the sacrifice. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax booth. So he, was, he would be a Roman tax official collecting money from, from the Jews and he would collect more than his fair share. This is what they were known. They were the, they were the most hated people in all of the culture of that day. They were spit on. Y'all ever watched The Chosen? It's a pretty good show. It, it does the story of Matthew. It says, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, with many tax collectors and sinners came reclining at the table with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, because you know they were fair, you see. Why does your teacher eat with those people? Jesus gives us the most powerful example. Jesus was willing to sacrifice what? Man, I hope you can get this. Jesus was willing to sacrifice what people thought of Him in order to reach the lost and the marginalized. Because it wasn't the Pharisees that were going to carry the message of the Gospel to all creation. It was the tax collectors around that table whose lives were being transformed. It was the sinners sitting around that table who experienced the grace of Jesus through everything that they've done wrong who would launch the greatest mission that the world has ever seen which is the church of Jesus Christ. It was the tax collectors. and Jesus was willing to sacrifice the way people thought of Him. Whether or not He was the Messiah. Whether or not He was the chosen one because he sure didn't look like it in order to share the gospel and to reach people and to love people in his life that's a lot when you're willing to give up what people think about you in order to reach someone in your life Jesus would have rather sacrificed what people thought about him than let one person go unnoticed one person go uncared for one person in a world where we're so worried about what others think, we could do a better job at this. Look at verse 12. Put verse 12 back up there, Chris. Read that last line. Those who were all well. Those who are sick. He gives us the way we're supposed to see people. They just need, they just need, they just need what I got. They're just sick. They, need, they, just, they, just, need, they just need some help. Right? Back after Luke chapter 15, he tells three stories about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. The lost coin was mishandled. It didn't lose itself. You, you know, hurting people hurt people. And people who've been hurt hurt other people. That coin... Jesus is showing us how to see people in our life. That coin is, was mishandled. Someone hurt it. Someone lost it. It didn't lose itself. It didn't grow legs and walk up under the couch. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. So when you see people, that's how you got to see them. Oh, that one, that one, that one there. That's the lost coin. Ah, man, I can tell by their intensity they were hurt. The lost sheep, what does it do? Wanders off. Oh, how easily we wander from the God we love. <laughs> Anybody wander in here? Can I get an amen? Oh, man, that's all right. Ah, he's been in and out of church his whole life. 
Okay, cool. Well, he's just the sheep that's wandered. That's how I got to see him. Then I can love people when I see them the right way. The lost son. The lost son who squandered everything his dad gave him. Half of his father's estate. He spent it all. But he was one encounter away from God changing his entire life. How do you see people? How you see them matters. The foundation is love. Are you all with me this morning? We can't go anywhere in week two and three if we don't get to this basis, which is, say it with me, God loves me no matter what. So, I can love other people. Do we settle that this morning? Okay. Father, I love You. And I thank You for what You're doing in the hearts of Your people. I thank You for the message of the Gospel that we don't deserve, that we didn't earn, that we can't earn. I thank You that the love that we're going to show, that You showed, wasn't simply lip service, but it was action. And the same is true for us, Lord. I thank You for weird Sundays like this where we make the chairs weird and get uncomfortable, but, but I know we've grown deeper today, Lord. If you're in this room this morning and you say, Pastor Mark, I, I need to receive Jesus. You've heard the Gospel all day. God loves you so much. Or maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe, maybe you've just backslidden. And Hey, listen. God loves you no matter what. God is the dad on the porch waiting for you to come home. I, I wouldn't want to leave this moment without giving you the opportunity to, to accept Jesus or to rededicate your life to Christ. And the good news is the Bible says that that now, because of Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the grave, we have an advocate with the Father. Which means that, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need and get what we need. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, man, I need it. I need salvation. I need, I need a fresh touch from the Lord. I need, God to, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I need to make a decision for Jesus today. If that's you just in this room, just slip your hand up where you're at. We're going to pray a simple prayer together, but I didn't want to leave this moment without giving you the opportunity to do that. We do it every single Sunday. Every single service. Anybody else in this room today? Anybody else in this room today? Father, I thank You that every person in this room today is saved and in right standing and walking with You. God, that's such a great thing, but it's also such a terrible thing. Because God, You've given us a grace for the lost people in our lives, God. And what are we doing if we're just attending? What are we doing if we're just going through the motions? So Father, inspire us this week. Inspire us to love people the way that You've loved us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. Amen.